Now, we all know that Rudolph is a reindeer born with something that makes him different, a red nose that shines. And he gets older. He wears a black nose cover to hide his difference from the other reindeer. But eventually, his disguise falls off. His nose starts glowing. And he gets made fun of. And he gets shunned a little. And he sings this sad song about being a misfit. And haven't we all been there? You know, feeling like a misfit, feeling like someone who just doesn't quite fit in. We all know the feeling of not being like the others. We're all different. And so, in some areas, each of us don't exactly conform to the norm. We're all created unique by God. And because of that, we're all, uh, at, at some points, not fitting in. There are some points where we all feel like an outsider, like we don't belong. So we all know what it's like to feel like a misfit. And that's one of the things that I think has helped this story to be so endearing for generations. The relatability of Rudolph as an outsider, as a misfit, because we've all been there. This morning, I want to talk to you about being different. And what I want you to see is that the world may leave you feeling insecure, like you're a misfit, like you don't belong. But God says you do belong. God says you belong with me. I made you for a purpose. I know everything about you. I know what makes you unique, what makes you different, and I love you. Now, back to the story. Rudolph, because he feels like a misfit, he kind of gets shunned. He decides to run away. And along the way, he meets a fella named Hermie. He finds out he's a misfit as well. He's an elf that doesn't fit in because instead of making toys, he wants to be a what? A dentist. Yeah. So they decide to stick together as misfits, and then they meet Yukon Cornelius. He's a loner. He's kind of a misfit himself because he's like, I'm the best prospector, but he can't find any silver or gold. And so we have this band of misfits, and then they run into an abominable snowman, as one does. And they're fleeing from him, and they come upon an island of misfit toys. And there they find this water gun that shoots jelly, which I always thought would be really cool. They find a spotted elephant. They find a train with square wheels and a whole bunch of other toys that are different from the norm. And what Rudolph and his misfit gang start to see is that the world's actually full of misfits. It's full of characters that don't really fit in, that stand out from the crowd, that stand out from the norm. And one interesting thing about scripture as we look at our bibles as we get to know the characters in there uh, we realize that the bible is full of misfits too and they were in many ways just like us just like rudolph came to the realization that there are lots of misfits i want you to come to the realization that there are not just a lot of misfits now there were a lot of misfits back then too and one of the cool things that we see throughout scripture is that God uses misfits. The Bible is actually full of people outside the norm that God utilizes. You think about it, Moses had a very checkered past. He actually killed a man, ran from justice. He had a speech impediment. 
and God used him. Jonah, the prophet, ran from God. God used him. Rahab sold her body. God used her. Gideon was a coward and a doubter, a weak man from a very weak family, and God used him. David, he was a gangly teenager. He was smelling like sheep, the least of all his brothers. And yet the Lord said to Samuel, Arise, anoint him. This is the one. Misfits. Outcasting, God used them all. And speaking of smelling like sheep, remember the Christmas story written to us by Dr. Luke. After Jesus was born, Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in swallowing cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. What a great story, right? No church Christmas story is complete without the group of shepherds. You see them in our live nativity, watching the sheep as the angels appear. And for good reason, they're key to the story. They are the first to hear the wonderful good news about our Savior Jesus Christ who has been born. They rush to see the newborn. And then they praise God and tell all who will listen about the extraordinary things that they have seen and heard. But, it's interesting that angels would bring the birth announcement of Jesus to shepherds at all. Why not to priests or to the wise men that were looking for his birth or to the kings of the world? Any of them would seem more fitting than random shepherds because shepherds were misfits. They were outcasts. Dr. Joachim Jeremias says shepherds were despised in everyday life. He documents the fact that shepherds were deprived of their civil rights. They couldn't fulfill any public office roles. They could not be admitted in court as witnesses. The Mishnah, this is a Judaism. They have a written record of their oral law, the Mishnah. It reflects this attitude as well. And one passage in there describes shepherds as incompetent. Another 
actually says, no one should feel obligated to rescue a shepherd who has fallen in a pit. That's harsh. Shepherds are on the low, low end of the social totem pole. They are looked down on. They are untrusted. They are scorned. They were misfits. And it's to this group that God chose to make the most important birth announcement in the history of the world. So why them? Two reasons. The first is to show that God loves misfits. God could have used anyone to start spreading the news of the Savior's birth. And if he had chosen royalty or priest, we wouldn't have wondered why. In fact, from a human perspective, that may have made more sense to us. But I think God wanted these outsiders to be a part of the story and know that God chose them for this honor because they were important to him. You think about it, they had probably spent a lifetime feeling looked over, feeling second-rate, feeling forgotten like many of us. So God shows them, I remember you. I think you're first rate. I want you to be a part of my story. The story. They might have thought they were insignificant, but time has proven otherwise. Thousands of years later, these shepherds are still remembered. Every year, people dress up as them, and their part in the story is told in churches around the world. These shepherds are another example in Scripture, showing us how God loves and uses misfits. When we go back to the Rudolph story, there are some misfits there that they're about to find out that they're pretty useful too. Rudolph and the gang, when they get to the island of misfit toys, they start thinking, an island for misfits, we should just stay here. But there's this king on the island He's a griffin, like a lion with wings, and he tells them, you can't stay here. You're needed to do something more. And the king says to them, I need you to play a part in helping out those on this island by going back. Tell Santa about us so that he can come and get these toys. There's a parallel here. Okay, the king is saying, you may be misfits, but I can... Use your help by sharing this message that I'm about to give with you. All right? And in the same way, God uses shepherds who were misfits by sharing his message they heard from angels about a Savior that had been born. And now, thousands of years later, God is still using misfits. God uses us, misfits as we are, by sharing his message of good news. We're still sharing the king's message. And sometimes we might be tempted, like Rudolph and like his friends were, to just withdraw from everyone because we've been hurt. But that isn't what Jesus has called us to do. You know, sometimes life can hurt. People say they do mean things to us. We have legitimate reasons to feel pain. And no one's saying, well, just pretend it doesn't hurt. But we can't let the cruelty 
of the world stop us from doing kindness to the world. There are times when you are going to be hurt. You're going to be tempted by the world to just stop, to just stop caring, just stop serving, just withdraw. But I encourage you to persevere, to keep serving God, even when you're hurt, even when you're attacked. God has called us in his word to look beyond ourselves and to help others. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Now, Paul wrote that verse to the church in Philippi. I want you to imagine for a minute if instead of putting the needs of others before his own, he had just looked out for his own interest and quit. I mean, he certainly had reason. Over the course of his ministry, Paul suffered all kinds of abuse. He was definitely an outsider. He was spoken badly of. He was a Jew that was hated by the leading Jews. He's teaching a message about Jesus. And then he's also hated by a lot of pagan Gentiles. There are times in the Bible where both groups want to kill him. His abuse went beyond hateful words. He received beatings. He served jail time. He had death threats repeatedly. Imagine if one time Paul had just gone, you know what? I'm done. Forget this. I have to think about myself here. I'm going to stop all this. Then, you know, you won't have to listen to me anymore and it'll just be easier for me. Paul was a misfit. He was an outsider. He knew what rejection felt like. But if he had responded like that, we wouldn't have the Bible that we have today. He wrote the majority of the books in the New Testament. And the church would not be the same. His teachings have gone on to guide billions throughout the centuries because he cared too much about others to let his pain stop him from doing good to let his pain stop him from sharing God's love and ministering to others. He wrote elsewhere, I've been pressed, but not crushed. I've been cut down, but not destroyed. In other words, it's been hard, but I'm still in the race. I'm still running. I'm running through the pain. I'm continuing to serve God by loving others. Now, in the same way, we can't let our past hurt Stop us from loving and serving others. When you're wounded by your family or your church family or your friends or your co-workers or anyone in the world, remember that they are imperfect people just like you. Forgive them. Keep on loving them. Look out for their needs. And Jesus has warned us that this world will be rough for us. He says in John 15:18. If this world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. But Jesus didn't let that stop him from loving and serving. Neither should we. 
You're free to do what you want. But Paul says in Galatians 5.13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. God loves misfits. He uses misfits. But to be used by God, we have to stop focusing on ourselves and focus on doing the king's will and helping others and getting his message out. And that's what Rudolph and his friends do. They focus on the king's will and helping others. They sail away to spread the news about the island of misfit toys. And when they arrive to tell the news to Santa, he's actually thinking Christmas is going to have to be canceled. Got a clip right now from Rudolph I want to show you guys um, about that very scene. Quiet. I've got some bad news, folks. Christmas is going to be canceled. There's nothing I can do this weather. Yeah. Rudolph, Rudolph, please, could you tone it down a bit? I mean, that nose of yours. Uh, that nose. That beautiful, wonderful nose. Rudolph. Christmas is not off, and you're going to lead my team. I am? Yes, sir. You and that wonderful nose of yours. My nose, sir? Oh, from what I see now, that'll cut through the murkiest storm they can dish up. What I'm trying to say is, Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It will be an honor, sir. <laughs> I knew that nose would be useful someday. I knew it all along. All right. So, Rudolph, the misfit, is able to save the day because of his glowing nose. He's able to guide the way for Santa's sleigh. Now, we've looked at par parallels about how God loves misfits, how he uses misfits, how we need to obey the king, look beyond ourselves, help others. I think there's another lesson for us here, too. God knows what it's like to be a misfit. You know, almost 2,000 years ago, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to earth as a helpless baby, fully God, yet also fully man. Jesus came here as a misfit. I don't want to upset anybody, not in a bad way. He wasn't a troublemaker, but he didn't fit in. He was different from the time he was conceived. Imagine growing up, never sinning. Not once. You never get in trouble. You think that would set you apart from the other kids? Jesus had brothers and sisters, technically half-siblings, since Jesus' father was God and their father was Joseph. Again, he kind of set apart. He's different. You can imagine how different Jesus must have felt at home, never getting in trouble. You think he felt like an outsider? His own family, the Bible says, did not get him. It gets worse as an adult. Jesus goes around dispensing this great godly wisdom but he just seems so weird. 
to his family, so unlike the rest of the world, so unlike the norm. Then Mark 3.21 has this interesting passage that says, Jesus' family went out to take custody of him, saying he is out of his mind. Wow. John 7.5 says even Jesus' own brothers did not believe in him. Now, all this changed after the resurrection. After that, they were really devoted then. I, I guess seeing your brother die and then come back from the dead three days later kind of validates everything that he was saying, right? James and Jude, they were both half-brothers of Jesus. They even wrote Bible books. But at the time, they didn't get Jesus. He was the weird one in the family. They thought he had lost it. They were trying to just get him out of public. And they didn't relate to Jesus and all his good behavior. So godly, never sinning, the strange teachings coming out of his mouth. Jesus knew what it was like to be a misfit. We have a God that can identify with us. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't come to be like the world. Now, he came into the world as one of us. He was tempted like us, but he did not give in to temptation like us. He was different for all the right reasons. Instead, Jesus came as a shepherd to us. I told you before, there were two reasons why God chose to announce the birth of Jesus to shepherds. Reason number one was because I think God loves misfits. He wanted shepherds to be a part of this Christmas story. Here's reason number two, because of the symbolism. You see, God revealed the birth of Jesus to shepherds because Jesus was born to be a shepherd. That wasn't his profession. He was a carpenter by trade, but spiritually, spiritually, Jesus was born to be a shepherd to all mankind. He viewed humanity as his flock. In his ministry, Jesus himself identified as a shepherd. He said in John 10:11, "I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep." Now, Rudolph ended up guiding the sleigh with his nose in the dark. But Jesus, he guided much more than a sleigh. He came as a shepherd and he also came as the light of the world. He was a light in the darkness, leading us to a deeper understanding of God and his kingdom before ultimately showing us the greatest love the world has ever known in giving his life for us, his flock. You know, ever since Jesus, shepherds are held in high esteem again. To be a shepherd now, it's a good thing. We call our elders, the leaders in our church, shepherds. We call the congregation the flock. And Jesus turned the role of the misfit, the shepherd, into something to be admired. He did that for a lot of us, actually. You know, when it comes to being misfits and being outsiders, as far as it goes to relating to this world, well, God's just fine with that. He doesn't want us to be like the rest of the world and fit in. 
He wants us to be unique because of him, to be set apart because of the Spirit of God that is in us. He wants us to be different for all the right reasons and to be known for our love. In John 15, 19, Jesus says, If you belong to the world, it love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Hmm. That's why you're misfits, in other words. You don't belong to the world because you've been chosen out of the world by Jesus. Romans 12:2 tells us, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. God doesn't want us to conform to the world. He wants us to be outsiders. He wants us to be misfits for all the right reasons. He doesn't want us to conform. He wants us to transform through him, to be renewed, to be supernaturally pure. God has a message for all of us misfits. You may not feel like you belong in this world, but God says, look, you belong with me. I made you. You belong in my family, in the family of God. I know all about you, and I love misfits, and I love you just the way you are, but I love you too much to let you stay that way. Don't think you have to conform to the world. I've chosen you to be different from the world. I have something better planned for you. A new heart, a new mind, a new spirit, eternal life. As we come to our time of invitation, please remember that God's gifts, they're given in love, but only to those that want them. He doesn't force himself on people. He doesn't force the renewal, the redemption, the new heart and mind and spirit on anyone. God lets us choose to follow him. And that invitation is open to all. We may be misfits in this world, but we have a place where we belong, and that is with God. So stop trying to fit in to the world. Instead, focus on being a light in the world, a light in the darkness, like Jesus. If you need to make the decision to follow him, you can do that today. Whatever your decision may be, I invite you to come and see me. We're going to stand and sing our closing song, Emmanuel, God with us.